this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, this week we've got our second Patreon vote for August. It's the last week of August, this episode. And we have a winner, an overwhelming winner this time, Jay, for our Patreon voters. We need to thank uh, our new, our newest Patreon subscribers, Jay, who just joined us at the 250 level. James Stelter and Jim, I'm going to mispronounce your last name. I'm going to guess it's Lizowski or Lizkowski. I don't know. It's it's welcome to dig me out where you get to hear Tim slaughter your name. I, if slaughtering names is my specialty. <laughs> well, it's like your name is there's an odd Z in there and I'm not sure where that where the Z comes into play. Uh, well, I think it's the D that's the problem, but well, no, I'm saying in, in Jim's name. There's a Z right in the middle of that, and I'm like, mm-hmm. hmm, is it a is it a Z, or you just ignore it, Lakowski? I'm sorry, Jim. <laughs> sorry, I should have asked. Should have asked. Well, that would mean my welcome aboard. And thank you, regardless yes. of <laughs> our inability to pronounce. Thank you for voting, everyone who did on this particular poll. We picked four albums. We wiped the slate from the previous poll in August. We picked four additional albums that released in August of 1997, and they were The Kelly Deal 6000, Boom, 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 Dog's mm-hmm. Eye View Daisy, Down By Law, Last of the Sharpshooters, and The Tea Party's Transmission. Jay, the voting went as such. Kelly Deal, zero. No love for wow. Kelly Deal. Yeah, I was, I was surprised. Yeah. Dog's, Dog's Eye View, 11%. Down by law, 22%. And the overwhelming winner with two-thirds of the votes, the Tea Party's transmission. Huh, I wouldn't have guessed that um, That by that wide of a margin. Do we have a lot of Canadians on Patreon? You know, I don't know. I know we have a couple Australians, but hmm. uh, I don't know about any Canadians per se. Maybe some Canadian, you know, appreciation. But uh, that's I don't this know. Band was not well known here. No, in the U.S. I had heard of them because of growing up in uh, Buffalo. Uh, I was tuned into the uh, Canadian alternative music channels in the '90s when I would go home and visit my parents on college break. So I would get to hear uh, the latest from, you know, I Mother Earth, Econoline Crush, uh, <laughs> Moist, Moist. And the Tea Party, of course, with the Tragically Hip and Triumph and Rush. We did get some comments. Uh, Darren Svedson said, a bit of a weak field this time around. Sorry, they can't all be... Oh, jeez. Uh, they can't all be the stereophonics. Um, so I guess I have to vote for the Canadian content. Will be interesting to hear what you think of these guys. Like many Canadian bands you've covered, Moist, I Mother Earth, Our Lady Peace. They were more ubiquitous in Canada than the U.S., and then uh, Keith Sawyer says, I agree, a bit of a weak field. Wow. Jeez. See, folks, I think um, 
some people maybe uh, forgot the, uh, the the charter or the uh, mission statement. We're not here just to talk about Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and, uh, <laughs> and the band. We're not here to talk about music that was good. Yeah, We're just here or, to talk about music. popular or people have heard before. We're here to talk about stuff that, you know, was released on a cassette and uh, only three people bought it. Now, uh, we, you know, we get into some of the more obscure stuff. It's quite a charter we've created ourselves. Yeah. He says, I didn't keep up with Down by Law after Punk Rock Academy fight song, but whenever they pop up on random, I always enjoy the clean but aggressive sound of their tracks. I'm often tricked into thinking they're a Discord band. Would be nice to hear if it held up. Maybe we'll get to that some other day. Sorry. Uh, Steven says, I was going to vote for Down by Law simply because they're the most recognizable name of the four choices, but I sampled songs from all the albums before doing so. Very good work, Steven. And I decided I was most intrigued by the tea party. Gavin says, so I loved, so I, I'd love to pick down by law as they're probably my favorite of the SoCal punk era, but this is a terrible album. Just vanilla bland song sung with zero inspiration. Best to wait until somebody suggests punk rock, punk rock Academy fight song, which is brilliant. So apparently that's the album we need to check out down the road because two people have mentioned it. I'll go with the Tea Party as they're in good form here. I've never heard Dog's Eye View, so happy to hear that. From the name, they sound a bit like a TV jingle band, uh, like the Spin Doctors, but I'd be happy to be proven wrong. And then Darren Leach says the Tea Party were bigger in Australia than Canada. Interesting. So much so Jeff Martin moved to Australia and married one of our women. (laughs) That son of a bitch. They constantly toured and always put on a great show. Transmission still holds up strong. Always loved how they mixed modern rock with Middle Eastern influences. During concerts, Jeff would explain each foreign instrument and why they used it. Do yourself a favor and check out the two previous albums. All right. Uh, So for those who are not familiar, familiar with the Tea Party, they're from Windsor, Ontario, Canada. They formed in 1990. They broke up in 2005, but then got together again in 2011, and they're still together. It's the same three guys, just like, uh, uh, you know, many power trios from Canada. Uh, It's the same three guys. Uh, Jeff Martin on, um, well, here's his list of instruments. Jeff Martin on vocals, guitar, sitar, sarad, oud, banjo, mandolin, dumbek, hurdy-gurdy, Ezraj, percussion and theremin. Stuart Chatwood on bass guitar, guitar, keyboards, harmonium, percussion, mandolin, tambura, cello, lap steel guitar, and bass pedals. I don't. I still don't know what that is. Um, Jeff. Uh, Bur- bass pedals. Yeah. I think Getty Lee that uses those quite often. They're literally like, like almost like uh, pedals that you would have on a piano. Uh-huh. And you they play like a just like a underlying bass tone. Oh. Okay. But often that's how he plays like he plays that and I think uh bass guitar keyboards at the same time. Gotcha. And then Jeff Burrows on drums, percussion, djembe, goblet drums and tabla. So those three guys are making all the racket for this band. Wow. Uh they released their first album, Splendor Solace, in 1993. The follow-up, The Edges of Twilight, came out in 1995. The album we're reviewing, Transmission, came out in August of 1997. 
Triptych came out in 1999. The Interzone Mantras came out in 2001. Seven Circles came out in 2004. And then they broke up 2005, got to back together in 2011, and released The Ocean at the End in 2014. Now, they're this is a pretty successful band in Canada. They've been nominated for 22 Much Music Video Awards, which would be like the MTV of, you know, Canada. Um, they've been awarded three People's Choice Awards for Favorite Music Video. Um, they were nominated for the 1996 Juno Awards for Best Director. So the album that we are reviewing, Jay, Transmission, as I mentioned, was released August 19th, 1997. It was released on EMI in Canada and then Atlantic Records in the U.S. and I'm assuming the rest of the world. Let's get into it. I had never heard anything by the Tea Party previous to this, or at least I couldn't remember hearing anything. There might have been something on the uh, radio station that I uh, cleaned cars at Budget Rent-A-Car in Buffalo during the uh, summer of 97. Well, I was... uh, (coughs) working between uh college semesters but i don't really recall it so uh jay tell me one thing that you liked about the tea party uh well i i did have this on cd um yeah i think i bought it used maybe a year or so after it came out um just based on i think at that time i was uh just chasing the different Canadian bands. Um, Mm -hmm. and they had been written about quite a bit by this point. So I picked it up. I don't think I had heard it. I just picked it up based on the name and it was probably cheap. Um, and listened to it a a decent amount when I got it. Um, and what, what's held up, I think is the, the middle Eastern parts, I think really make the band unique along with the vocal. Um, I think his voice is kind of like a, a little bit like Ian Asbury in some ways, kind of yeah. dark and, or Mark Lanigan sometimes as well, like really deep. Um, but he's got some range there too, which is good. He can do some different things. Um, so I think that the, the, just the sort of the rock format with the Middle Eastern keys and instrumentation and then combined with a pretty compelling vocal is to me what the, the formula there uh, that works um, in general. So, I mean, that, that's, I think, the aspect of the band that, that I responded to at the time and I think still holds up pretty well. Yeah, I, I was a, I gotta admit, I kind of came around to this record. I, I, the first t- couple times I put it on, I was feeling a little overwhelmed by the amount of the Middle Eastern and world music influence on the record. And it it just kind of I was like not sure that I was fully connecting with it. And I think what I needed to do was put on a better set of headphones and really oh like, yeah listen to this record because it's pretty dense. Yeah, and there's a lot of really interesting and cool bits and pieces that are going on throughout the record. And from what I've read, they um, upped the sort of industrial and loop aspect for this record they they had already sort of dabbled in the world music and eastern or exotic instruments whatever you want to call them um on previous releases but this is where it got a little bit edgier and and beefed up and 
I think when you, I think the problem is if you're just like casually listening to it, it sort of kind of sounds like a little bit. I don't want to say cheesy, but you're just kind of like, okay, it's just a bunch of dudes who are playing around with, you know, Middle Eastern scales and whatnot. But when you actually like dig into the record and get into like putting on a good set of headphones and actually hearing all the tracks and how everything works together, it's pretty, it's kind of ingenious the way a lot of the stuff is constructed. You know, they're taking like the big riff of like Zeppelin and, and, you know, classic rock bands like that. And you mentioned like the, like Ian Asbury and some, there's some cult aspect to it. But then like, you know, getting into that weird like paint it black, uh, psychedelic, you know, Eastern sound and then somehow merging that with nine inch nails stabbing westward, you know, filter and all, you know, these 90s sort of industrial you know more radio friendly versions of those but it's it's a weird stew and yet they pull it off i think part of the reason why is because if jeff martin was just a bellower he was just doing like the low vocal all the time i think that would it would kind of become pretty stale but the fact that he can belt it out like you mentioned like Ian Asbury does and in some ways he is even a better voice than Ian Asbury that's where it carries that's where he really like carries the band Um, because some of the stuff it is complex in its construction but if you listen to like the guitar parts in particular songs they're pretty like repetitive sort of basic guitar riffs sort of stacked on top of each other like one after the other but then when his vocal comes in on top of it doing this like modern day robert plant it really brings a whole nother aspect to it so you know in terms of the one thing that worked i think like the the jeff martin vocal on top of everything is sort of like the piece that melds everything together and makes all these weird disparate sounds and influences kind of work together because his vocal is just so like confident and powerful and just all-consuming that you he kind of just by force of will makes it all work. So yeah, I was, uh, I was impressed after five or six listens. Like I got turned around. Yeah. It's a good headphone listen. And I think I felt the same way too on, on revisiting it. Um, I was a little distant when I listened to it through speakers, but then when I sat down and really focused and, and did my notes, I, I had headphones on and it. I think it worked a much better. It, it, it gets a little well, not a little. It is dense. Um, oh, yeah. Help, the headphones really help understand what's going on and appreciate what's going on. Um, and, they, and they use it to their advantage. They do a lot of panning and, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, there's sounds that kind of swirl back and forth. And there's uh, guitar tones that are really pushed hard left or right. But then there's these big epic, like, string sounds in the middle.
starting to get into some of the stuff that maybe they don't love about the record that headphones help a little bit. Um, so sort of, you touched on it, like electronic nine inch nail industrial late nineties kind of production and augmentation, I'll say. And when you listen to it in speakers, it gets uh, overly noisy and difficult to Mm -hmm. really pull anything out. Headphones do help separate that stuff a little bit better too. So it'll be like, you know, double or triple drum and percussion tracks. And when you got headphones on, you can actually like understand the different parts. Whereas if you just listen to speakers, it just sounds like a mess of drums going on. Yeah. That said, even with headphones, that stuff for me, uh, if nothing else, it just, it sounded dated. Um, and it kind of carried, started carrying the record down a little bit. Some particular bits and pieces, you know, through the record where you're just, you're scratching your head wondering like, why does that need to be there? You know, um, just extra fuzzy noises and weird sounds and additional drum bits that like the drums themselves sound great on this record when it's just the drummer playing. Right. Uh, The tone sounds great. The performance is great. I don't get sometimes the extra stuff. So, I mean, they do do like, um, in a couple songs, like they'll cut to a, a more percussion based part, which I'm fine with. I think that sounds pretty cool, but I think it's the layering, uh, it starts to get, I guess, tedious if nothing else, like, right. Just, just trying too hard. I, I think I know what you're talking about. Cause like you take a song like psychopomp, which has a build to it. And the song ha- utilizes everything that they do, but I feel like that they spaced it out well it's a slower song and it's it's got more room then you compare it to a song like Babylon, which is just like one drum loop after another. And the problem with the drum loops that, that I have, besides that they sound dated and you can go, okay, that's, that's a 90s drum loop. You know, I don't know what machine was used or you know where they were getting the loops from, but they sound very 90s. Is that in certain respects, when the drum loop happens, it sort of sucks the... I don't know what to, if it's compression or what's going on, but it sort of sucks the air out of the song a little bit. Mm, yeah. And it, you know what I mean? And, and like loses some of the bottom end. And yep. that song in particular, Babylon, is I think like really suffers from having too much production and too much, you know, based around the drum loop because they use it in bits and pieces here and there to fill spots and add a little drama and do interesting things. And I like the first two songs, the the back-to-back Temptation and Army Ants. I think those work well back-to-back and they utilize the loops in interesting ways. 
But there's just a couple times, more towards the back end of the record, where they just kind of felt like, and especially now, looking back 20 years, like there's just there was just like a little too much experimenting and and messing around with with the loops. Because I I thought when I listened to it at first, I was going to get tired and and find like the, the Middle Eastern, you know, the all the weird instruments that they were using in scales and and non-western sounds i thought that was what was going to get old but it was really the drum loops that have kind of those are the things that stick out as being of wearing on me after repeated listens yeah uh so for example you mentioned how some of the layering it in the drum loops they it sucks the like that's actually what's going on. Like the, there, there's only so many frequencies you can fit <laughs> uh, and something has to give. And right. a lot of times what compression, I think uh, I'm not an engineer, but I think when you uh, have too many instruments and then you use compression, what ends up happening is the things that are big suddenly become small. So a good example is if you go listen to Babylon, there's a break in the song where there's this really cool guitar thing they do. that almost sounds like an elephant. And when it's in the break, it's like, wow, that sounds huge. That's really cool. But then they bring in the loops and all the other crap and it's still there, but it just turns into this like tiny little insignificant sound in the mix. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden it goes from this epic like roar to nothing. <laughs> so you're like, well, like that was a cool tune, like tone. Why didn't you make that right. part of what you played with or just don't have it? Because now I don't even, it's not even valuable to have even in there because I can't barely even hear it. Um, it's overwhelmed by all the other stuff. So I struggle with that throughout the record. You know, when there's something um, cool that happens, there's something else that um, distracts you from it or just becomes a little, like I mentioned before, I think just tedious or trying a little too hard. gravitated to the parts of the record where they just things got simple mm-hmm. particularly when there was space like if there's space in the record and you could just hear him sing like to me those became really drew you in um i think that's why like the, some of the slower songs on this record actually worked better worked pretty well for me and typically you know they're on the longer side and a band like this like i would expect to be maybe a little bored by some of the slower material but I think because they had more space in them and you could kind of get drawn into the just the tone of his voice and sort of the there's like an atmosphere this band creates that's kind of cool and dark. Mm-hmm. I think with the slower songs, you can you get more immersed in it, which I enjoyed. And I think they they can pull off the kind of slow burn pretty well in terms of you know, there's just anticipation that they can build and just the way he delivers lines and the tone of his voice and the way that they kind of 
you know, they bring in instruments gradually and kind of, you know, keep you compelled through a song that's, you know, four or five minutes long and the tempo is pretty, you know, either mid tempo or slow. Right. Um, so, yeah, like a song like release is fairly simple compared to the rest of the album, but it works because it's not super busy and he can just kind of sing and you can, and, and sing in a way that's very melodic and big. And it, it yeah. almost, uh, you know, stands out in the, from the rest of the record because of that. So yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I guess I'm curious to know what of this stuff that I think is a guitar, maybe isn't a guitar. I assumed everything on the record was either a guitar a key, or a keyboard. And a lot of the Middle Eastern stuff was like samples or keyboard sounds, but it's sounding like there were a lot of real instruments here that might be blurring the lines between the two. Well, it it sounds like they did a lot of work with Eastern influence, Eastern um, instruments. Now that doesn't mean they couldn't have, you know, used various uh, effects on those instruments to give them a bit more um, flavor, if sure. you will. So it's entirely possible you might be hearing a a stringed instrument that's distorted, but it's not a guitar. You know, I have no idea. That's that is the interesting aspect of it, is that you might be hearing things and like, oh, there must be a keyboard or what have you, but it ain't actually be like a real tabla or whatever random sarud. I don't even know what that is. Sarad. That's a, that's a stringed instrument because I just looked it up. Um, <laughs> nice work. Thanks. Yeah, I, I suspect some of this now that the. You know, that they were they use real uh, these instruments on stage and kind of make it part of the show that some of what I'm hearing or a lot of what I'm hearing here is actually affected versions of those instruments, which is pretty cool. My hope is that they would have like the most frazzled guitar tech who has <laughs> to like manage all of these weird instruments. Yeah, no kidding. He's yeah. got to know how to tune a serrat <laughs> and he's like, uh, you know, he's running out there with uh, all these random like no i don't need the sitar this song i need the sarad right and uh and jeff martin's you know explaining each instrument as it as it's brought out bring my hurdy gurdy <laughs> which uh isn't that like a it looks like a violin but it has like some like wheel thing on it that like it's got a crank crank it to produce like the air yeah it's like a it's a weird instrument the hurdy-gurdy man. I just know that Donovan sang about it. Nope. And then you got Stuart Chatwood with all of his various tamburas and harmonium. What the hell is a harmonium? Is that like a keyboard thing? Yeah. The keyboard thing. Anyway, so I yeah, I wouldn't want to be a music tech on that tour. That's all I'm saying. What's with uh what's with the Canadian band calling calling themselves the tea party? Well, a tea party can be anything, Jay. It's just a group of people sitting around having tea. It doesn't have to be in reference to, you know, American Revolution. Is that Although, what you think it's about, sitting down and enjoying a nice cup of tea? Yes, I do. Now, as a matter of fact, I believe that the band, like, <laughs> got a lot of unexpected tra- traffic to their website because they have the website, I believe they have teaparty.com. Oh, wow. So I want to say at some point that they like offered to uh, 
like sell the website domain? Uh, they still have it. So oh, they 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 wrote on a Yahoo. It was in a Yahoo article. It said Stuart Chatwood Chatwood stated. So much damage has been done to our name by the political movement that we're considering selling the, the domain. Oh. He said he would sell it for $1 million U.S. They had, owned it, they had owned it since 1993. And since they had broken up in 2005, they weren't active, but they still own the domain. So they just put up on the domain, no politics, just rock and roll. And then they reunited in 2011, and they decided not to sell it. So that's why they still have it. But there you go. They could have, uh, they could have parted with it, but they did not. Now this album was actually reissued. Uh, they did a thirtieth an- a thirty date anniversary tour and put out a vinyl version of the record. It only came out on CD originally, so they did put out a vinyl release, uh, which you can go purchase uh, online somewhere. So let me ask you, Jay. You know this didn't really make much of a dent in the U.S. for nineteen ninety seven. Um, can you, can you understand why a Middle Eastern influenced, uh, industrial, uh, hard rock, I don't know what to describe them as hard rock influenced or classic rock influenced, uh, band from Canada would not chart well in the United States. Yes, I can understand that perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) What else is there to say? That's pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so let's go. I mean, I'm surprised this is as known as it is, to be honest. Yeah, me too. Let's go with our overall ratings on this record, Jay. Worthy album, better EP, or decent single? Where are you at? I'm going to go with an EP. I, I think it's a damn good EP. Um, I think at an album, you start to get into some, I don't know, some dated or polarizing aspects of the band that maybe it, with time, they're, they're better off to just not even be there. Um, but, uh, I think it's a, a very solid EP and approaching a approaching an album. I'm going to agree with you. I think six to seven songs would be pretty much where I'd be at with this band or with this with this album. Um, not that the other songs are are terrible terrible by any means, but there is a bit of overproduction and some of those drum loops just kill the songs and just uh, weigh them down so much that they, they're not an enjoyable listen. But overall, this was a fun discovery uh, having not checked out the tea party previously. So I'm glad we got to do it. And we need to thank our Patreon subscribers, Patreon patrons over at Patreon, patreon.com forward slash dig me out. That's where you vote. Uh, we just wrapped up our, vote for september our first review of september will be a patreon poll as well so our next episode will be that one and of course we'll be having more throughout the rest of the year and if you like what you heard please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at itunes for jay i'm tim we're out and we'll be back next week with another episode dig me out Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber or request a review at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com. Wait, wait, wait.